This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Well, praise the Lord. Hope you're having a good last part of the summer here. Man, it is moving rapidly. We'll be back into school before you know it. And all of you that are tired of this heat, the fall is coming. So I'll give you something to look forward to. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 18. 1 Samuel chapter 18. Now, for most of the summer here on Wednesday nights, and I've really, really enjoyed doing this. I tell you, I, I can get so excited in my office, man, just feeding on the Word of God and seeing what the Lord is saying to me. But we've been on what we call the trajectory of faith, uh, just about how faith goes into action and how it moves. And so if you were here last week, you're going to 1 Samuel chapter 18. If you were here last week, we ended with one of our verses there in Isaiah 1, uh, verses 19 and 20, where the Lord said, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Now, God wants us to be obedient. It's a big deal for us to be obedient to do what God asks us. But you know, I can be obedient and not willing. And so let me give you my illustration again. As a child growing up, my dad would say, your, your, your daily job, your daily duty, and it was. It was to take out the trash every day. And so I knew I had to do that because if I didn't, there were severe consequences. And so I would take out the trash and all the way to the dumpster, I would bellyache, I would complain, I would whine. And so guess what? I was obedient, but I wasn't willing. In other words, I had a horrible attitude in my heart. And so God said, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. And so when we look at this right here, our heart is what God is really after. He judged that and want us to obey. He wants to see your heart in that. Second uh, Chronicles 16, 9, it says, The eyes of the Lord go to and fro across the earth, that God looks to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. So again, right here, just with these two passages we've read, we've seen God is looking for a certain type of heart. Now, we've given the illustrations the last few weeks of, of different people in the Bible. We saw that the presence of God and God was with Joseph, uh, Genesis 39. We saw a man named Jehoshaphat, and it said specifically, and the Lord was with him. That was Second Chronicles 17. And so when we look at those things, we see many times the scriptures say, and God was with him. So last week we found out the reason God was with those men is because of obedience, so Tonight, I want to jump into another guy here in 1 Samuel 18. This is a passage about David. Now, where we pick up here, it's interesting. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. And we find out David wasn't perfect, but there was something in his heart toward God. And so in this passage here, Saul is the king. David is the anointed next king. And so literally... Saul's up here, he's the boss, and David was to agree. He was Saul's armor bearer is what it was. So we pick this up in in 1 Samuel 18, verse 5. So David went out wherever Saul sent him, and he behaved wisely. Now it's interesting that wherever Saul sent him, he obeyed because it said he went out. And so for him to go out, it says, you know what, I'm going to obey you. And it's interesting, too, that he said he behaved wisely. The exact translation of that said, he prospered. He prospered. Now, last week, several times, we talked about 
God loves us to prosper. That is a biblical word. And in this passage here, because David went out and he did what Saul asked him to do, he prospered. Now keep reading. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all people, and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Now it happened as they were coming home, when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistine, that the woman had come up out of the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul, with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. So the women sang and danced, and they said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David has slain his ten thousands. Now remember, Saul's the king, and David's under him. But right here, they, they give a, a public display of greater esteem to, to David than they did to Saul. Now watch what begins to take effect here, verse 8. Then Saul was very angry. Not just a little bit, he was very angry. And the saying displeased him, and he said, They have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed only a thousand. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day forward. And when we see here he, he eyed David, it, it means he viewed him with suspicion. But also what you've got to see here is I believe a couple words begin to reveal what's in Saul's heart. He was very angry and then he eyed him and he was suspicious of him. I, I think jealousy began to arise in Saul's heart. Now... Every one of us in this room, we've experienced at times tendencies of jealousy. And if I don't get a hold of jealousy, jealousy can literally be one step away from murder. Because think about how the progression of this goes with jealousy. Anytime we've been jealous, we will begin to plot to harm the other people with the words of our mouth... Or our actions. How many of us have done that? Every one of us have. And so again, if I don't get a hold of this, man, this thing can take off. And even in this passage, it will literally show you where jealousy can end up. Verse 10. And it happened on the next day that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul. And when you read this, it was literally a tormenting spirit, but it revealed back in 1 Samuel 16 that it was a spirit of fear and depression would come on Saul. And this wasn't the first time this happened. And so this, this tormenting spirit comes upon him. And Saul, and it said, it come upon Saul, and he prophesied inside the house. Now, when it says he prophesied, it literally means that he raved incoherently. He was full of anger and rage. And he prophesied in the house. So David played music with his hand as at other times. And if you go back and study this, that when this spirit would come upon Saul, he would call David in and David would play an instrument. People have always said it was a harp. I don't know if it was a harp. Said he played his musical instrument, whatever it was. And what would happen was that spirit would leave him. So at this setting, here it goes again. So David begins to play the music with his hands as other times. But there was a spear in Saul's hand. So we get the picture. Saul, man, he's full of rage and anger. And here David's strumming on his musical instrument. And right there, Saul's holding a spear. Verse 11. 
And Saul cast the spirit, for he said, I will pin David to the wall. Now, you see where jealousy and anger starts going. And he said, I'll pin him to the wall. But David escaped his presence twice. David eluded him twice. Now, here's the thinking of all this. He's sitting there playing this harp or whatever he's playing. And Saul takes this spear and chunks it right in. I mean, you've got to realize, when those guys threw a spear, it wasn't like me throwing a spear today. I could throw a spear at David right now. I, I may miss and hit Brenda. I may hit Chestnut. I mean, I mean, but when those guys threw, they knew what they were doing, okay? And so he throws it at David. And think about this. If this is me and I'm sitting there playing the harp and this guy throws a, a spear at me, I'm going to do one of two things. I'm going to run and get out of the room or I'm going to pick it up and throw it back at him. But it said he does it twice. So I, I wonder right here, if the protection of God was on him so much that he was unaware of it. He's just sitting there playing and thud, it sticks in the back. And Saul goes around and gets it again, throws it at him again. I don't know. But it's interesting right here. So this passage here, it begins to tell me how much anger he had in him. Verse 12. Now Saul was afraid of David. Watch this. Because the Lord was with him. But he had departed from Saul. The Lord was with him. But he had departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from his presence and made him his captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David behaved wisely in all his ways. And the Lord was with him. So again, part of the things or the reasons that God is with people is when they choose to obey and when they choose to do what's right. So now i got to fast forward and i got to paraphrase a little bit because of time's sake. So from many years from now, right, that's going on now, David is running. He's in the wilderness. He's in the mountains. He's in the caves. And Saul is after him. Saul says, I'm, I'm going to kill him. If it's the last thing I do, I'm going to kill him. Turn a couple pages to 1 Samuel 24. And we're going to pick back up here. And so get the picture here. He's running for his life. This guy, who it said, and the Lord was with him. And the Lord was with him. Just because the Lord was with him did not mean he wasn't going through some trials and some tests. And every one of you in this room right now who are going through some great difficulties, don't think God's abandoned you. God's with you. You're going to go through things on this thing called earth. 1 Samuel 24, verse 1. Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that it was told him, saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness of En Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all of Israel, and he went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. Got 3,000 men tracking him down now. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave, and Saul went in to attend to his needs. He drank too much coffee, so he's got to make a pit stop. David and his men were staying in the recess of the cave. They're in the back of the cave. Saul's in there, relieving himself. He doesn't even know they're in there. Verse 4. Then the men of David said, now get this, the men of David said. God didn't say this. The men of David said, this is the day which the Lord said to you. Behold, I will deliver you, enter me into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. Now this was their interpretation. So you know what they're thinking? We got him. We got him. Kill him, David. Kill him. Get, get rid of him. Get him out of your life. Now, think about how we think as, as human beings. I should rephrase that, how the world thinks. If someone hits you, 
you hit them back. If someone talks ugly about you, you talk ugly about them. So again, you get them before they get you. So this is the mindset of his men. But watch here what happens in verse 4. And David arose, and he secretly cut off a corner of Saul's rope. Went in there. He didn't have scissors. He probably had a real sharp knife. He whacks it off. Verse 5. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's rope. Now look right there. His heart bothered him. You know why his heart bothered him? Because in this life we'll either do it man's ways or we'll do it God's ways. And he knew. You don't touch God's anointed. Don't do it. Don't mess with it. And so it bothered his heart. Now, let me ask you something. Have you ever done something in your life that after you did it, bothered your heart? I can tell you that's a good thing. That's the conviction of the Spirit of God that he'll, he'll come and he'll begin to deal with my heart. And there's times I've got home and, man, the Lord would impress on my heart. You need to apologize to that person. And so when I have those thoughts that God deals with my heart, man, go with those things, okay? That's God. Verse 6. And David said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, my boss, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. David knew he'd crossed the line. So David restrained his servants with these words, and he did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. David also arose after went out of the cave and called out to Saul, saying, My Lord, the king, this guy's trying to kill David. And if you note how David addressed him, he said, My Lord and my king. He didn't say, You dog, you rat. He addressed him, he addressed him with honor. He said, my Lord and my king. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and he bowed down. And David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of men who say, indeed, David seeks your harm. Looks this day, your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you today in my hand in the cave. And someone urged me to kill you, but my eyes spared you. And I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. So he tells Saul all this. He said, dude, I, I could have killed you. Check your robe, buddy. There's a corner that I cut off. I could have killed you. Now, it's interesting in verse 17, that same chapter. Watch this. Then Saul said to David, you are more righteous than I, for you have rewarded me with good, where I have rewarded you with evil. So again, I go back and I look. This was a man who lived out of his heart. This was a man who said, I want to please God. I want to do what's right. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 11. Deuteronomy chapter 11. And as you're turning there, uh, let me give you, uh, this. I was talking to Caroline earlier about the Beatitudes. This is in Matthew 5.44. It says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. That's what Jesus told us to do. Let me ask you something. The last time somebody dogged you, what would you do? And again, he gives us insight. 
things why God is with people. Deuteronomy 11, verse 26. Behold, I set before you today a blessing and a curse. You know what the Word of God just told me right there? I've given you a choice. Verse 27. The blessing if, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and the curse if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but you turn aside from the way which I command you today, and you go after other gods which you have not known. Now, he literally sets before every one of us a blessing and a curse. And it's conditional. What we choose to do. Do I choose to obey or I choose to disobey? And so when you begin to look at this, this is not a doctrine of works. This is just a flat out obedience. Do I obey my father? See, again, to please my father to take out the trash, that wasn't a deed of works. That was just flat out, are you going to obey or not? This is where the word of God comes down. And so when I look at all this, I, I ask myself this question. How many of us in this room have ever been around people that you get around them and they just ooze with the things of God? They just, it just rolls out of them. I mean, there's been numerous people in my life that, that I couldn't help but notice. These guys know God. They hang out with God. I was around a woman, one of the most godly women I've ever been around in my life. She died at 104. And when she would speak, the wisdom of God would roll out of her. And I remember at 100, I asked her, and we called her Ma Rose. And I said, Ma Rose, if you had to do this thing called life all over again, what would you do differently? And she said, the only thing I'd do differently is she'd say, I'd take a lot more chances. I thought, hmm, that's interesting. I don't know why I'm telling you that, but again, she just oozed with God. There's a reason that happens. Now, I want to go back to Genesis 39. I got two passages left. Genesis 39, and then we're going to go to Genesis 4. Now, Genesis 39 right here, this is the passage about Joseph. And remember, we can all say, man, I want, I want the presence of the Lord. I want the Lord to be with me, but that doesn't just happen. That just doesn't fall off a tree. It happens when people learn to obey God. When I obey God, it draws God's presence. When I disobey God, his presence goes. I saw that with Saul, and I saw it with different other ones in the Bible. Now, again, here in Genesis 39, oh, I got to get there. This was Joseph, and I'm going to read just verses 2 and 3. And it says, the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, and his master, who was Potiphar, saw that the Lord was with him. And the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So again, right here, you see the Lord was with him. And the Lord was with him, and it was so evident that this ungodly guy named Potiphar, he noticed it. He noticed it. So again, we go back and we ask the question, why? Because he honored God. He obeyed God. He did what God asked him. And we'll end with this tonight. Genesis chapter 4. You know what I saw with David and Joseph? 
They obeyed God in incredible situations. In bad situations and in difficult situations and hard situations. They just didn't obey God when it was easy. And I believe to a degree that's what separates people. When I go ahead and obey him in a very hard, when it may not be popular. I mean, when you saw what David did when all his men were saying, you got him, kill him, dude, kill him. And he's like, "Uh, uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go against the flow. Genesis chapter 4, verse 16. And we're going to kind of go backwards in this, this chapter. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. He left the presence of the Lord. We saw that same phrase, very similar to that with King Saul. It said the presence of the Lord left him. The presence of the Lord leaves Cain here. And he dwelt in the land of Nod. The land of Nod literally meant that he would be a wanderer or a vagabond the rest of his life. So I look here in verse 16 and it says the presence of the Lord left him. Why did it leave him? Two reasons. Same chapter. Verse 3. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. What you begin to see here is the Bible is very clear that you're to honor the Lord with the first fruits of your increase. If you'll notice, it said in the process of time, he brought an offering. You know what that tells me? When he felt like it. When he got around to it. But that's not what God says in the Bible. God says, honor me with the first fruits of your income. He didn't say when you feel like it. And so right here, Saul, or, uh, Cain does what he's not supposed to. And it says, in the process of time, it came to cast it. Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. The best portion he gave to God. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And so when you ring this right here, Cain gave out of obedience, but he sure didn't have a willing heart. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. And so Cain did it, and his offering, it says, and Cain was very angry, And his countenance fell. He gets very mad at God. Now, watch the second area. That was the first area that got him in trouble. The second area, we start in verse 8. Now, Cain talked with Abel, his brother. Now, remember, one honored God, the other one didn't. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against his brother Abel. And he killed him. I believe what happens here is Cain began to see the presence and the blessings of God on Abel's life. And he became jealous. And again, what did the jealousy lead to? The anger led to? He didn't deal with it. He kills his brother. Now watch what takes place next. Verse 9. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? Question mark. He says to Cain, where's your brother? Why did God ask him where his brother was? Don't you know that God knew where his brother was? So why did God ask him? 
You know why God asked him? God wanted to give him an opportunity to repent and get right. And again, God wasn't looking for a perfect human human being. He was looking for a man that would come out of his heart and say, I did what was wrong. And if you go back to Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, the same thing happened. God said, where you been? And Cain, or Adam kind of hummed around and said, I was afraid of you. I did this. God asked him questions in there to give him an opportunity to repent. And so in this situation right here, God gives him an opportunity to repent. Now look what he does in verse 9. And Cain said to God, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? What do you see right there in Cain? Right there immediately. A hard heart. A hard heart that said, I'm not going to repent. Verse 10. And God said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. You know what this was saying? This was God's way of saying, I knew what you did. And I gave you opportunity to confess and repent. And you continue to deny it. And so ultimately, the reasons that that he left the presence of God was because of his choices to not obey what God had asked him in two areas of his life. So when you look at this, obedience is the key to life. And when I begin to obey God, not only is it a key to my life, but it releases blessings. And you saw in there how David prospered. We saw last week how Isaiah prospered. I mean, over and over and over and over, different ones when they would do what God asked. So it's not coincidental. It's not by accident. It's when a human being gets over and says, you know what? I'm going to begin to obey God. And when I do blow it, which I'm going to, I take ownership for everything I've done. All this becomes is a, is a man and woman that says, you know what? Father God, I take full responsibility for everything I've done. I look and say, I did this and this and this today, Lord. I repent for the sins of my eyes. I, I repent for my attitudes. And you know what? I find myself having to do that a bunch. Father God, I repent for a stinking bad attitude. I repent for this and this and this and this. And you know what? I'm not going to shift the blame on anybody else. Because remember what we read there in Deuteronomy 11. God said, I set before you a blessing and a curse. A blessing if you obey and a curse if you don't. So visualize it this, that we're at this massive table. And at this end of the table is a bunch of blessings. Oh, there's every blessing imaginable. And at this end of the table is a bunch of curses. And guess who chose where they would sit? I do. So when you begin to see the trajectory of faith here, how it works, over and over in the Bible, I I can say, man, Lord, I want to be in your presence. I want your hand to be upon me. The big question is, how well am I obeying? How well do I obey? How about this? Lord, help me to obey quickly and quietly. Help me to obey quickly. I tell my grandson that all the time. He has a bad habit of talking a lot. And I will give him some grandpa wisdom and I will say, you need to obey quickly and quietly, okay? 
Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.